Right, that's recording locally. But get better quality locally, but you don't get uh, you don't get name labels. Cool, like when you actually watch them when it's uh, recorded in the cloud, it says like that's a shot. Welcome, anyways, office hours. This is uh, we're gonna get this right. Thirty four. Uh, we're here on Friday, twelve p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Short week. Short week. Short weeks make me nervous, but we made it through. A lot of stuff happened in a very short week this week. Uh, so lots excited about that. And excited for a real uh, full week next week. I, I, I will be happy about that. I'm Tyler Bryden. I am CEO Sweet AI. Uh, still struggle with that title, but I'll take it. Really interested right now. My my my. You know, I love data science. I love natural language processing, and I've been on a, a hunt right now to figure out how can you take language data. And you know, really, I've been focusing a lot on the visualization aspect lately. So I've been reaching out to some data viz people, getting some really interesting feedback, and trying to figure out, you know, how can you tell meaningful stories through representations of what's happening in one conversation or many conversations. So very excited to continue down that journey, and hope to be continuing to send you uh, some nice graphics, hopefully more interactive and prettier, prettier design, but also more impactful from an information standpoint too. Uh, let's go ahead and make a little intro and then we'll jump into some topics here. Uh, I'm Lauren. I am the accountant here at Speakaya and friend to all as well. Uh, excited to have another chat for this week. It's good to have uh, most of the team here anyways. Not sure where Tim is, but uh, I'm sure we'll have a good discussion either way. I am Nihal, uh, digital strategist here at Speak. Currently focused on um, market segmentation and how to better reach the people that need us. All right. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> this is Vatsal Sahar, CTO at Speak AI. Uh, I was late a little bit, 10 minutes. Uh, I was working on very deep in this, uh, the embeddable recorder file upload option. And uh, yeah, I, I forgot to take a bath and it's like I was off the time. So I apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, things change, things change every week. You're always excited about something every week that keeps you motivated and keep going. Uh, that's what's required. And apart from the uh, business, I'm excited to plan for my India trip moving forward uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, it's, it's excited on the both the end, personal and professional. So we're confirmed that. So do you know when you're going yet? Not yet, but I'm, I'm going to start planning at least if, whether I, I complete my uh, the legalized process or not, but uh, uh, on the PR card, basically. But yeah, so it's exciting. I'm going to miss you, though. It's going to be a very tough time. Uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to do, I guess. Um, Lauren, I think I'm going to go to Miami. Do you want to go to Miami? Mm -hmm. That sounds like fun. Um, maybe. I don't know. You mean for November? Yeah. Okay. No. Sure. Why the hell not? <laughs> Neil, do you want to go to Miami? No, you're busy. I, 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 <laughs> we're going to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the micro, Microdose is doing our Wonderland conference. So it's uh, it's going to be a pretty good get together. I was talking to the wonderful Kelsey Ramsden from MindCure. I was already at, like, I wanted to go. And then for some reason, her just saying she's going to. I'm like, God, I, you know, I too much fear of missing out. I just, I got to go. I haven't been anywhere for a long time. And there's going to be a ton of, ton of fun and a lot of good friends that I've met for years virtually and have never met in person so it's a that's really exciting and i'm also just like jealous of that so going on a trip and i'm like hey, you know i gotta go somewhere so, um, so have you have you booked it already or well, it's on schedule okay 
gonna be, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I got, yeah, I made up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it'll be, it'll be fun. One thing that's everyone's sort of talking about right now, which is pretty funny, which is it's like, how tall is everyone? Because everyone's been doing yes. Zoom meetings and stuff, yeah. and it's like you, no one has any idea how tall uh, anyone is. So uh, there's yeah. a lot of. Uh... <laughs> I, I had that experience when, when when I was volunteering with this TEDx Toronto team. And uh, we had a get together. If Tyler, if you remember, I went uh, to the to the park, to, uh, and and it's like one one girl was like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that you are this much tall. Uh, I don't know why she was expecting to be a shorter, but you know that's how it's created or uh, changed the whole conversation. So uh, the perspective was something interesting. I'm going to be given a lot of hugs. I can tell you that. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, you know, before we get, I guess it's not too off track. Uh, off track. It's real and we'll get into a topic here. One that's, I mean, it's just number one here. So maybe we'll, we'll talk about it, which is um, AppSumo, uh, which is really interesting. So I guess, you know, there's just, um, there's an upcoming sort of um, cohort, I guess, that they're, you know, AppSumo is highlighting for software companies. And, um, you know, we're lucky someone nominated us, which that's really nice. Whoever that was, thank you. That's really, really cool. Uh, I, I still think it was Nihal and he's just being a, speaking a secret, but uh, it'd be cool if it was actually someone else. Um, so just for a little bit of reference, like AppSumo has been, AppSumo has been around for quite a while. And one of the bigger drivers for this is Noah Kagan, who has been a pretty influential guy in tech. Who's I think number, what, number 30 at Facebook. I'd like to talk about that, uh, but has done some really incredible stuff. I believe also at uh, Mint or maybe in, uh, some financial companies as well too. And so he's made a pretty big impact as a growth marketer and built an awesome community of like entrepreneurs who are a lot oftentimes SaaS focused, looking for deals and go to AppSumo and find like new products that are, you know, really, really good products and then uh, buy for uh, sort of a, a deal on it. And, um, you know, he tied a lot of his passions together in life and, and made this very successful company, I believe hundred million in revenue uh, is what they're, they're going for this year. And uh, we were just sort of, I guess, debating whether, you know, this is something that we wanted to, you know, uh, you know, do, is this something worthwhile? Any experience that anyone has from AppSumo, either using it or just following it, yeah, just, uh, just a, a short discussion, maybe nothing too deep on this, but just something really interesting that sort of came our way this week uh, that we were thinking about. And for anyone who doesn't know AppSumo, maybe one of the more connected thoughts of this could be like a product hunt uh, where, you know, the company gets featured and maybe there's a deal that's coordinated with product hunt uh, or referral code or something uh, that gives a discount to users. But uh, yeah, really interesting. I think there's some pros and cons and just wanted to have a quick discussion uh, about that. I could be wrong, but I received an email from the from one of the sales department from the AppSumo, and the first line was reaching out in regards to a limited time partnership opportunity with the AppSumo. So I don't know, is that the same thing or is that the different because the nomination, is that for the program or is this for the limited time partnership opportunity and sort of a, a, a sort of a part of this program they, they are running? I would say those are probably slightly different, and I, but I would say that, you know, it seems like someone has put our company on the radar of AppSumo and their job is to develop, like they're getting, a, you know, from my understanding, a cut of the sales that are happening beyond the discount um, that you're also giving it. So there's a revenue generation from their perspective, and if the company sells well, they can make quite a bit of money from it, and I mean, they've been successful to date. So that's the thing where you always get a little bit maybe... Uh, not skeptical, maybe skeptical is not the right word, maybe it is, uh, but like when 
you know, someone with the title of business development or sales representative reaches out, uh, you know, maybe the idea is partnership, but when you see limited time or when you see those things, those start to get a little more interesting for us. Uh, and obviously they're using good marketing tactics. They're good marketing and they're good salespeople. Um, but it's just something for us to consider because it can, you know, either again, bring your product to a lot of people, but it can also commoditize your product. It could also uh, cheapen the overall value of your product. So definitely something worthwhile to have some thought around, just like anything in life is, is this the path that you want to go for? And is it worthwhile and in the good, in the end, good for the long-term success of the company? No, any thoughts? No, I can, I can move on. I was just an uh, interesting thing that uh, that popped up and was just one of the topics here. No one wants to. Um, no one wants to upset uh, Uncle Noah. Uh, so I think there's. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for what they've done, and they've made a lot of great like businesses who were who had maybe bootstrapped or didn't have very many resources to launch and bring something to market and really get some adoption and sales and also customer feedback. And iteration right off the bat. So there's definitely some positives of it. There's some things I think to consider anytime uh, when you're maybe making deals like that, and uh, yeah, what the what the value of your company can be uh, based on that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think to a degree, I'd need to disagree with maybe the idea of um, cheapening your product because uh, I don't necessarily think that um, offering special offers or deals takes away from the value of your product. It's just creating an easier entry point for individuals who might not otherwise have the financial incentive to, um, to pay for your, for your product. And I think to a degree, it's just a new, new form of, uh, in a way, even like backlink building, new form of like brand exposure and brand awareness, where instead of doing it through, you know, like media, where you know you pitch a journalist to write about your your product, for example, which I mean ha has its own own merits. Uh, this way, you're actually giving people the chance to test drive your product at a you know uh, more than normally discounted rate. Um, and get them to hopefully stay long-term with your, your product, right? And I, I feel like the good thing about marketplaces like Product Hunt and AppSumo is, to your point about, you know, these being highly engaged audiences of generally specific kinds of people. But I think you tend to get quite a bit of uh, useful feedback, you know, things people don't like, things people like, and uh, which helps you move forward as well. Um, yeah, uh, regardless of what this opportunity is and what it actually ends up being and what we decide to do, I, I think it'll be an interesting uh, experiment uh, one way or the other, right? Like if, if we decide to do it, um, we run with it. I, I, I generally can't see any cons to doing it minus the time investment that would probably go into doing that. And um you know, potential low return on actual time investment. I feel like those are the two two big ones, but that's the case with any experiment or uh, initiative you run, right? So um, it is interesting though, because I do feel like something like an AppSumo is definitely more targeted towards, let, let's, let's say consumer tech versus maybe the direction we're trying to go uh, with bulk usage. But 
also feeding off that Rev article you, you shared, right? Where they had multiple, let's say, individual contracts and that enabled them to identify larger, you know, up, up the chain contracts that they could establish, right? You, you get 10 people from one company using your product. It's like, okay, let's just go talk to the C-suite and be like, hey, here's a bigger contract with better, better support, better integration uh, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could literally just be a, because uh, based on that second email, it kind of just looks like a auto mailer, yeah, yeah. Um, but who knows? <laughs> Because the, the the first one he sent it directly to you, so that that that's interesting. Um, versus this one's clearly just scraped, like he just yeah. scraped your site and sent it to success. So, yeah. I think we got. I got. Think, I think we got plugged into the app and we'll see, see our, yeah. somehow. And this somehow. is what, this yeah. is what this is what happens. So. <laughs> <This> <laughs> yeah. Lauren, hello, sir. What are you thinking? I'm just curious, like what kind of work do we actually have like ahead of us if we do decide to go with AppSumo? And if it's, it just sounds kind of similar to uh, what we would have to do for um, product content. Is it possible to do like, you know, kind of a standard uh, copy, uh, writing copy and uh, a list, you know, standard listing and then just apply to both AppSumo and uh, product hunt? Or is there like a, like what is really the difference between AppSumo and product hunt? They just kind of sound the same to me in a way, just uh, different uh, audiences maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead, Neil. Um, uh, well, you, you say your point, and then I'll say. I guess my, the biggest thing I've seen is like generally people aren't um, customizing deals on Product Hunt. Uh, like there might be they, like a company can choose to do that, but it seems to be more like a launching pad for awareness. Whereas AppSumo is really like make a deal so good that people actually buy. Like AppSumo will send out, they have a really engaged newsletter list to I think maybe 250 people, I'm not exactly sure. Um, and a lot of these people will buy. Uh, so you're trying to create that purchase. Whereas a product hunt, obviously their goal in product hunt is to raise awareness and have some people buy. But you know, a lot of times it's, there's not those triggers or mechanisms specifically around that. It can be just a big awareness booster. Have you have you guys looked at uh, actually on, on the AppSumo going into the different categories and what type of products are there? It's like, did you guys have any found any uh, even any single competitors which we say that with respect to the SpeakAI which we have on the website? Have you guys any of them on the AppSumo any categories? And like, if so, what category do you think which will align with the SpeakAI? Yeah. So just these are the very basic questions or the sort of a brainstorming. Uh, points which like oh is that goes to the video category and the video category there's only one product uh, I could see here rel rel is called uh, video testimonial platform. Mm. I, I think used to be. Sorry. I don't see it right now though. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think there offers offers over, but <laughs> it's like I, I I believe for example like Happy Scribe uh, with respect to just the transcription side, right? Um, they were listed under productivity, marketing, and SEO. Right. Those were the categories they lived under. And, you know, if we were to look at what, what their offer was uh, in this case was they had a lifetime deal starting, starting. So usually even with an app, you can do tiers, right? You can do like a starter tier, mid tier, and then like a higher tier. And so their um, single tier purchase was one-time purchase of 69 bucks. Um, you get all their, I guess, features. Plus they'd give you two hours of transcription per month. Um, and Zapier integration, that the, the call out that there. Is, uh, before, yeah. It's what, sorry? 
Yeah. And then the, they had like a double one where it's literally the same thing, just more transcription minutes. And then yeah, because I think their business business plan is based on the number of minutes. So you need to buy the even from you know, from their website, you need to buy the number of minutes. Exactly. It's not based on the subscription. Exactly. So uh, that makes sense. Um, but then you know you you once again it would also depend on our side, right? How we end up. Yeah. I guess, it's deciding like for example, to position on our subscription plan. How do you how do you how do you manage that? Is that the twenty percent off on yeah. each plan, or yeah. then I mean. Yeah, just an example. Because I know they do have like stuff like um, deals that are more subscription based, where you will get like lifetime discount on a subscription, as an example, right? So it's you, you if if you take this AppSumo deal and you stick with it, you know, let's say you're doing a, a lifetime plan, you get a you know twenty percent off for as long as you're subscribed. But then if you cancel your subscription, you lose that benefit, like stuff like that. So it's it's kind of creating a two way. As an example, right? Like, um, I, I, I sign up for this thing called Humble Bundle. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever heard of it, right? And essentially, at a certain point, they shifted from a pay-as-you-go, just like one-time payment. They still do those, but now they have this thing called Humble Choice, right? And I basically locked in a price at like that's basically half of what it is now, right? So I pay half of what a new subscriber would pay, as an example. But they do give me the option, for example, to skip a month, right? So it's like I can keep that price that I initially paid, I, that I was grandfathered into, but basically if I cancel it and try to resubscribe, I'll lose that benefit and I'll be entered in at the original price. So I'm sure there's multiple ways we'd need to do a bit more research into, you know, like you said, where would we fit into this platform? What kind of deal would we offer? Because um, the way I could see it working is literally even if you know we just offered. Um, let's say as, as a test, we just did a transcription-based offering, right? Where it's like you, you get X number of minutes if you pay X amount upfront and, you know, you'll get access to, to you know, let's say the mid-tier features, right? Um, at 300 bucks, whatever, whatever we charge. Um, and we kind of go from there. Because I actually bought something a couple months ago from AppSumo and... I believe we had a quick chat this morning about this, but what's interesting about it is if you offer something that's very self-serve, that doesn't require a lot of time investment from your end uh, or our end in terms of support, uh, you know, customer success, sales, sales time. Um, honestly, like as bad as it sounds, like if people don't, if they buy it and they don't use it, that's still cash in your bank, right? That's still something that they, th they found enough value in your offering that they were willing to pay that amount to try it out. And also, I think AppSumo's like return policy is pretty like flex. It's basically like thirty days. I think if they don't find use in your platform, they have thirty days to return it. But realistically, not that many people do that, right? It's like you sign up for Amazon Prime and you just keep it, even if you don't use use it once a year, right? But you keep it every year just in case. Right? Yep, yep. So it's playing with like customer psychology a little bit as well. Could have, I guess, a little bit of impact on, I guess, if you're, I mean, if you're measuring retention and you're measuring um, mm -hmm. churn, um, like you know, that could have an impact, I guess, on you know just how you're, I guess, just the success of the the platform, or if you're trying to communicate those metrics to other people about how valuable your platform is. That's that's something to consider. And there is a little bit of the like Amazon, like this is not a word, but the Amazon, oh my god, the Amazonification or Walmartification, where they're trying to drive your pricing down 
you know, I mean, because they they want they want a merge, they want a percentage, and then also drive your cost down to then appeal to the audience they have that is used to pretty, you know, maybe cheap's not the word, but pretty affordable uh, deals. So um, I think this is good. I know we're flying through time here already, um, but uh, yeah, definitely just some good insights here. Like generally, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of the stuff that's on the platform is very marketing based. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the categories that are at least even featured on the homepage, there, there is productivity and things, but I'm seeing a lot of SEO. I'm seeing a lot of people using GPT-3 to create, you know, uh, content generation. Um, so again, where do you fit in with that, um, you know, that, that framework of what they're doing and appeal to the audiences that is being drawn to AppSumo? Um, uh, Neil, I guess, you know, you've got a couple of topics you brought to the table. Uh, any, you know, I guess one that you want to kick off, the one that's uh, more interesting to you. Um, I mean, I guess we can leave the first one for the end just because it's a bit more fun since we're in a more serious mood right now. So maybe just talking about this whole idea of whether underlying tech and innovation is kind of truly important from like a business standpoint and I guess building a competitive moat for yourself, right? So um it, it kind of just stemmed from the fact that there's a lot of products out there that are successful by their own, I mean, from both a revenue perspective um, and I guess a brand awareness and branding perspective that for the most part are just wrappers of like existing tech out there, right? Um, so it's like, to what degree is, so, so I guess there's two parts to this. It's one is innovation and underlying tech important for long-term success and B, you know, uh, are there times when maybe just marketing branding is almost more important than the actual innovation of a product when it comes to like user adoption, right? So I guess those are just two points to like talk about, discuss, because I think there's like a principle and kind of just philosophy, personal philosophy element there where it's like, you know, you want to innovate, but then there's also the, the kind of truth of capitalism and like how the business world functions and, you know, how, how, how exactly what, do you think um, those two balance out? Have you been reading Crossing the Chasm? Uh, I, I'm, I'm only in chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah. of two chapters then. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of thoughts uh, from this. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've been saying it for better or for worse lately, like, you know, we've got a very uh, innovation driven you know what I mean? Loves innovation, loves technology, wants to push it to the limits. There is innovation for like, I think there's innovation for business practical use. And then there's also like innovation for innovation's sake. And I mean, we've seen through the culture of software and startups, like a lot of, you know, like one of the things that's really interesting is it's, it's hard, it's easier to get investors than it is to get customers. And so you actually see a lot of companies just going down this path of necessary, just innovating and building and building and building just because they know they can continue to raise capital and never even truly identify customers along that process. And so there's just a lot of innovation that happens because we got a bunch of smart technical people in our room who don't necessarily want to talk to customers, but they love building stuff. Um, from what we've seen, I mean, there was a conversation, remember, uh, like that, so we had that conversation with the guy. We were practicing for the uh, Y Combinator interview, and I think this last December. And you know, like he, he basically his comments were it was a very aggressive uh, conversation, sort of scary. And he was just like, you know, why are you building? Why are you building this? You're like, why are you building this yourself? 
And like, why aren't you making more money? Like those are like the big, basically the big two questions that came out of it. And he's like, you know, we, you know, he did something, pieced it together in 15 days and then went to market with it. And so like the, that speed of not having to build something from scratch and not needing to innovate and actually just piecing together different parts to solve a true problem that then you can sell on, there's a lot of value in that. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily, you know, a right or wrong answer in this because the push of innovation, the journey of that often uncovers a lot of things and has made like exponential leaps to society. But at the same time, uh, if you're trying to build a fundamental sound business, sometimes innovation isn't even needed. You need to solve practical day-to-day -day pain points that have been around for a long time. But that, but but there's a contrast point too from from uh, we had a talk with that guy during this YC part. But if we, if we put together the whole system, even this embeddable recorder, we can use the third-party module. We build it. And then at some point we would we would come at the limitation that we are spending so much time on all this third-party application at the same time might not be generating the revenue or vice versa. And it's like say if we go to the investors, it's like oh, uh, did you guys build it? No, we are we are using all these third-party modules, even including the whole application, even the application which we build, even the front end has been used by using by the third-party, uh, you know. The, the the companies or the products and then the the questions I which which uh, I always ask is like okay if it, if it does the, if you do that what's gonna happen with this IP or what you can do with your own product and how how long you can go with that does that make sense so I mean that's sort of a two sides of it and again uh, to be God square I was thinking yesterday about the next quarter could be more focused on the on the sales and marketing rather than more about the innovation that always can go uh, in, instead of building the features on features we could go uh, ahead and just focus the whole quarter on the sales marketing let's say this quarter uh, was and is completely on the security scalability and stability of the platform which which all all the decisions were made at least on the engineering side around that. So it, let's say if you are making all the decisions around sales and marketing, a lot of innovations also come through that. It's not necessary to have uh, the new branding or the new color or the new features on the product or the new menu item that is not required. It is also about how you can fulfill the customer needs with while, while you just focus on the sales marketing that change a lot of factors. There was a... Uh... You know, it'd be interesting here and, you know, still hoping to get back to your original question a bit, but just like, I guess it's also, you know, this is the conflict between maybe pro like product-led and then sales-led companies. And then also like the original, you know, goals and, and you know, system and things that you're trying to fulfill. So um, I think when you, like the, the focus on sales is always important. It's the life, it's the lifeblood of a business. Um, and we've actually got enough data points now where we know where we're again creating value, maybe where we're not creating enough value, where our system is limited, um, and then where there are opportunities to extend the value of our system and solve more problems. So I, I think there's just, I mean, we all were sort of planning out what the next quarter looks like and even the next quarter after that. And it's a lot of thought and um, different sort of factors and signals that you're, you know, um, pulling in to make that decision. So we could prioritize something for sales, but if that's a one-time or necessarily doesn't contribute enough to our overall product or um, we can fold it back in that other people value, 
then we could be, for example, just diverting ourselves slightly in the wrong direction. So also being, you know, I agree that the, the how do you define that? How do you define the direction could be right or wrong? What is the factor on what basis you could end up or conclude? I, I, the extreme example, you know, that is obviously not answering your question, but is like when someone, uh, you, the other person the other day asked us, hey, can you do voice cloning? You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, but that's not what we're doing. And we all felt like that's not our what we're doing, you know? So I think yeah. there's ones that are outside of the scope that we all feel. I think generally as a company, we've really focused on language. And so once it starts to get out of the scope of that, then we know we might not be going in the fully right direction. Um, but I agree, it's a, it's a tough challenge because there's been other things where it's like, you know, hey, can you customize your tables like this or X, Y, Z? And it's like, ah, this makes sense for you, but does this make sense to everyone? Those those questions or those opportunities are more challenging to figure out what's the right, right answer. So just, just that, is, that is not, that, that is a little bit off the topic, but, uh, uh, we had a one customer on the intercom, uh, Tyler. So I, I verified her uh, already uh, as he had a one issue. So I verified her and, and, and so deleted that message because uh, that is already resolved. Thank you, sir. I like that we're debugging for customers in real time on the office hours. Uh, good job, everyone. Uh, I'll support that. <laughs> um, I didn't think anything else. Neil, I guess anything else, like, do you feel like this, your question was uh, successfully addressed? Lauren, do you have anything to add uh, before we move on to anything here? I was a little bit confused by the question. So Michal, you can go ahead. Uh, I, I, I guess it's just a matter of, um, I mean, which, which part was confusing? I can try to clarify it that way. Like, uh, essentially I'm asking is, do you need innovation to make money at, at its core? But, uh, but, but isn't it sort of a byproduct? You, you, I mean, let's say even if this is, and let's say if, if, if when we are focusing on the scalabilities, and, and the security and stuff, you also need the innovation. It, it is not about creating something unique. It is also the innovations in the day, the, the things you do in the, your day to day, because then what happened that you are just building something which just works, but that is not fulfilling the requirement of then you need the innovations, then you need something out of the scope which you might have not worked before. So is it, doesn't it count in the innovation or it's always the innovation definition count in terms of you, you build something from the scratch and uh, you, because you are saying this for the first time, that is innovation for you, but not for others. I mean, I, I think innovation is any sort of improvement, right? Like it doesn't need to yeah. necessarily be brand new. Yeah. Um, uh, because then, then I, let's say if we are, if we are uh, you know, separating the innovations with the product, I don't know, that doesn't add up to, to, to me. I think innovation is a bit more important for being competitive in your market. At least mm -hmm. I don't think you need just innovation to make money. Like you can go sell lemonade. There's not a lot of innovating going on there. You're going to make some money, but you're not going to dominate the lemonade market. Mm -hmm. um, so especially within our market too, it's constantly a, a battle for who can do my task better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know to say like, you don't need innovation in like a product you know, software technology company. That's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it opens I, up a whole bagel worm. Yeah, I mean, no, no one's like that. But. No one's like that. that doesn't <laughs> make sense. Otherwise, you are not the technology-based company. You're not doing innovation. You would be out of the business in a month yeah. if yeah. you're not doing innovation. 
And we, I, one of the great uh, talks that lots of you and I went to before the wonderful pandemic that came in here was uh, the, the Disney guy, innovator guy, yep. right? And it's like when you're in technology, it's like if you're not innovating, you're sort of, you're not even just standing still, you're actually reverting backwards because of the speed that other companies are moving forward with. I think there's like two things though, like there was then the innovation in the wrong direction. So like the famous episode of, there was a, maybe a famous, but like of, of the Simpsons was when Homer met his brother and he let Homer uh, design the car. And he's like, Homer's, Homer, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an average American. We should let him design the car that he wants. And so he's like, I'll let you innovate in whatever way you want, Homer. And like the final car is just this mangled mess of like everything you could think possible that would be cool in a car. And it was just a piece of junk. And like, it was just also that idea of like over innovation and with no direction or no validation, um, you know, which, I think sometimes we have run the, the delicate line of being on, but have been lucky to veer ourselves back in because we've at least had some railroads and like, you know, here's the kind of things that we want to accomplish and the focus being around language and media assets and, and everything there has allowed us to do that. And then just as a simple example, one of a great clients that I had for a long time for marketing was just like Sprint Moving Service, just a moving company, you know what I mean? And he did an awesome job, great mover. Not, not necessarily that much real innovation, you know what I mean, in that business. It's just like the, the people he hired were strong, they cared, they did a good job moving. And if you were like hiring him and then he was like, hey, you know what, we can do this all with, you know, some technology, blah, blah, blah. It's like they don't care as long as their stuff is moved and not destroyed in that move. So sometimes there's like, we just want to figure out how to do innovation along the path of delivering value, but it's not even required because in the end, all the customer cares about is they're walking into their house and their furniture's there and it's intact. Uh, so um, yeah, it also depends the business that you're in and the outcome that you're looking for. You can make a very good living doing a sound business without needing crazy innovation. But when you're in technology, working some of the space that that innovation is often required to remain competitive or even participate in the market. Yeah, because like all of our customers and all of our competitors' customers all have like the same end goal. It's just yeah. the innovation comes from like how well do you get to that end goal? How fast can you deliver it? And um, but it's still, it's still you're aiming for the same thing. You just need to be able to do it better. It's like running a, a race. You have to go faster and faster each time, but you're still putting one leg in front of the other. Really. Well, are you satisfied? Slightly. Okay. <laughs> All right, I am going to be uh, selfish now. I want to uh, talk about uh, this uh, sort of Drake. Uh, uh, you know what, Drake's, this album has been sort of pined by critics. I agree, not that fantastic of an album, but was still such a big cultural moment when, you know, such a big artist releases something. You know, the amount of streams, I looked at like the search trends I showed you guys in Slack, like the, the amount of searches around, it, basically the album was called Certified Lover Boy and the amount of searches, let's see if I can find a spike in it. It's just like crazy to see how many people are searching and thinking about this and discussing this. And, and so one of the things that we've been trying to figure out for a long time is just like the, basically the visualization of language data. And I you know, was lucky enough to, you know, a big hip hop, big music person, and I wanted to tie these things together and just, you know, just zoom in on that quickly. Uh, this was the, uh, the, the search volume uh, for Certified Lover Boy uh, going up. I'm like, you know what, this seems like an awesome opportunity to maybe do some analysis on language and, uh, and then try to produce some visualizations. And what I was happy to see was that the post that I shared 
um, whether on LinkedIn or, you know, Instagram and stuff, you know, these are very small signals because no one follows me and no one really cares, but we're still uh, created a lot of engagement and conversation and interest from people. And so the, this idea of creating data-driven content out of language data um, continues to be validated, at least in my eyes. And we're now getting some opportunities to do this with other companies that have bigger audiences and see if that, that signal, uh, that validation remains true. Um, so just wanted to quickly walk through this. Uh, Tyler, uh, sorry, Lauren at Namecheap. Uh, you'll see another Namecheap charge, $10, pretty good. Uh, but it just grabbed this domain, domain. This is not a scalable thing, but I thought it was sort of fun and I wanted to see what would come out of it. And just built together, uh, put together this site really quickly and sort of talked about um, the process here. And I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it because maybe it's not as exciting to you guys as it is to me. But it also gave me, I've been doing a lot of work around, you know, how, what is the process of capturing information to cleaning it, to analyzing it, to then visualizing that information. And so learned a lot along the way. And, you know, a couple like smaller things here that but make a big difference are we're like using on Rap Genius, like they have, they label the verses in the chorus and also who's rapping and singing. So if you were to then try to pull out the people, um, it would be skewed because it would be using the labels in the, the verses to then show the people who are appearing. And so Drake would be having way more mentions. Um, and so I had to remove that data. I had to remove anything around the intro and bridge. And then one thing that really stuck out to me, and that's why I shared this with you, was it's like, because there were sort of slang words at the start of the sentences and you know, necessarily rappers are not always talking in you know, very formal sentences, they like it was categorizing some of the entities, I would say, you know, as for example, people or brands or something just because it was capitalized. And that was really sticking out to me. Like my first run through of the analysis was there were so many entities in our main entity recognition that it was like, oh, this is overwhelming. So how could I remove this? And literally just uncap, you know, uncapitalizing the first letter of the sentence made a significant impact in the reduction of like I would say like false positives on the uh, entities that were recognized. I would say probably an 80% reduction uh, in those entities. So like that was just like one thing from cleaning. And like, this was what I was saying today in one of the little channels was like, how can we help people with the data cleaning part? Because for me, what I had to do was I would go into Rap Genius. Thank you, Rap Genius. Uh, first company I ever applied a job for, I love them so much. Uh, scrape it off that, pop it into Google Sheets, and then remove the capital letters from the first using a formula that I had grabbed online. So how could we help aid in that process and make that process actually support that process within Speak so that we clean the data within the system to help the analysis be as accurate as possible. Just showed a couple of screenshots, tagged it so we could do the analysis and even use the track tags to actually order the tracks for some of the visualizations I did, which was really, really cool. Like one of the one of the insights or the analysis I did was sentiment over track over the over the album. So you could see like spikes of positive positive tracks versus negative tracks. And that was really interesting. And when you listen to the album, it like it makes it makes a lot of sense. So I don't think if there's anything else, just showed a couple individual ones and then a couple patterns I'll just quickly share here were like some things that came for me obviously was the default categories and like it was so helpful, like the default categorization that Speak does was very helpful in, you know, building sort of a model around what was contained within the album. And like our default categories of people, locations, brands, 
just alone is that's something that people care about so much. So it was really nice to share those and see the response to that. And then it also helped me build a couple other ideas. Okay, you know what I noticed here is cars were mentioned a lot. What brand or what version of the cars were mentioned? So Audi was mentioned a couple of times, but A4, the Audi A4 like specifically was mentioned. So how can we break down uh, not just brands, but cars and then sub-segment that for better analysis? Also a lot of weapons uh, a couple of times, uh, some fashion brands, like specifically not just brands, but subsections of brands, fashion brands, and then there were some sexual, and then do that makes sense. And then just did a couple, you know, visualizations. So again, I won't spend any of my monologue here, so I'll try to cut this uh, down, but like people, I think this was one of the more compelling or striking visuals. And I, you know, did the, I thought the black was really cool with the green highlights. If you were just alone to do the map, it wouldn't be that insightful. It would be cool looking, but it wouldn't give you that much information. So I had to then combine it with the bar chart below to give you the actual labels. So you know, that was what was represented in here because from a map view, when you can't interact with the data, you can't zoom in or anything. So you lose some of the in insight. And that's one thing that I really see as a challenge here is unless you can embed graphics on the page and make them interactive, you have to be very, um, specific with how you're presenting information because you can't hover and get a tooltip that says, here's the information represented. You need to see it all in one glance and have it self-represent itself. Um, a couple other things, sentiment, really interesting. There was a couple ways to break this down, which was sentiment, the, the overall sentiment of the actual document or what was the average sentence sentiment of the sentence. And I chose to go for the overall um, when it was really cool when you did the average sentiment by sentence because there was ones that were below zero. So it made the chart have multiple axes, which was really interesting. A couple other things last time I'll wrap up, but like was word count. This one, you know, probably not maybe that interesting unless if you were listening to the album and really liked it. One of the things I was saying to Vatsal was like, this is why I get where people talk about sort of general purpose systems and the, and the, and the opportunities with it, but also the challenges because when I'm doing any of this analysis, I can't compare it to anything. What would I like to do? I would like to say, here are here's the word counts of the songs, and then here's the songs that were most streamed on Spotify. And is there any, you know, obviously it's too small of a data set to correlate that, but if I was to combine those two in data points, one more of an objective measure of fan engagement or, or plays, a lot more insight could actually come from it. So that was something that stuck out to me is I would love to get some other data that could tie into it. And then just, you know, some things around people that were mentioned, obviously Drake appeared, but I love that Tiger Woods was there. Uh, you know, a couple other people who were mentioned on the album. And then one of the ones that was really interesting, there was some wordplay that Drake did. And he said something about, I had a Richard Pryor. So Richard Pryor is a person, a famous comedian, but he was using it as a metaphor and he was using Pryor as the next part of the sentence and not as his last name, but that was the meaning of the joke or the wordplay. So were you supposed to represent that in the data or did you have to make it defined and make the prior lower case so that it didn't pick up the person even though it was representing it? And then just another one that stuck out to me was Toronto was not one of the most listened, uh, like listed locations, but Drake referred to Toronto many times as Toronto as the sixth. So six is a slang word for Toronto, the location. How can you, the, the, the machine can't transfer that meaning over to it and then contribute that to a location mention. 
So there's challenges in the meaning or understanding or the intent of language or even slang that has an impact on that. And then just a couple of things on brands. Uh, one of the ones that was pretty hilarious was a guy who talked about Sonobello, which was like a liposuction company. And he was talking about his girlfriend uh, getting that. So uh, I'll stop there for a second. There were some things that I wish I could have done. One of them was actually, we just analyzed the lyrics. I wish I could, first of all, probably have the rights to do it, but actually upload the songs themselves. The, the data cleaning part would be horribly hard because you'd have to label the speakers and you'd have to take the, the, the rap genius lyrics and then put them into the transcript lines with the right timing. But that could be a really cool way to get more analysis and also then navigate through the media very quickly. And then it'd be also really cool if we could do some more audio analysis of like the positivity or the valence of the music itself and not just the lyrics. And then just one last part, how do you handle choruses? So like this was specifically applied to music, but if a chorus mentions, for example, Houston, and the chorus is played three times over again, you're skewing the data, even though it's the same mention in a way, it's just repeated to fit the song structure. So what stuck out to me here was like a lot of really interesting challenges or things that come out when you're doing analysis on a specific kind of text document or audio document. And those are when we start to verticalize our system, we're going to have opportunities, but also challenges with a general purpose system. So I'm done. That's all I want to share. It was a lot of fun. Glad to share it out. Got some cool requests from people and it was great to see some response and have some fun on a weekend project um, and sort of present some information in a different way. Were you breath uh, during that talk? <laughs> Did you breath? Did you breath during that? I got nervous. I, got nervous. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is, is this even interesting? And do you, guys, do you guys, you've also heard me talk about it already. So you guys are like, Fuck. We have to hear Tyler talk about this again. So I try to go through it as quickly as I can, but it's like, I mean, at least for me, this is really interesting. Like I, I had such so much fun and I learned so much along the way of this process that can be built right back into speak, but also any NLP work or any visualization work. Uh, I was really excited overall um, uh, to just have an opportunity to do it. How long that day you put all that together? Like how much of that was like manual versus how much did you pull from like the actual uh, speak export? I would say probably took me, I think you'll actually see it in my toggle, uh, six hours probably total, uh, which is too long to be honest. Uh, but a lot of that was from scraping the content off the site and then the Google sheet part. Like I now know this whole process of manual and where things could be automated. Um, and then the last part is the biggest challenge comes from the miscategorization of entities. Because when you're going to do the final visualization, like for example, Whoa kept getting cap, um, um, identified as a brand. So when I went, but Whoa got mentioned goddamn 50,000 times throughout the thing. So now when I'm trying to say what were the most popular brands, Whoa's the number leader in it. The rest of the chart looks like nothing because of that. So then you need to remove that in the CSV export across the entire thing. So how can you, bulk remove that to clean the data really quickly for the final visualization. Can you not just uh, delete woe from the brand and then it'll, the export will then remove woe as a brand? Great question. Ideally, yes. As of today, no. Uh, so that's the problem. A lot of the, some of the cleaning has, some of the cleaning has to take place right now with our current system outside of speak. So Ideally, at some point, we can solve how to take care of that cleaning within Speak. And even when we were scoping out some of the technical things yesterday, 
it was like if you remove woe from a brand in speak across the entire account woe should be removed but that's not function isn't happening yet so there was a couple breakdowns in our current system that would be really helpful for data cleaning that aren't quite there yet i would say also there's no comparison data or analysis so you know when nihal and i look at data like say Google Analytics, it's like, how do we figure out any meaning of this? We look at the last month or we look at the last five months to, to pull out a trend, if this is going positively or negatively. So when I do this analysis, it's really cool because there's some stuff that we can pull out, but what about if we compare Drake's, this album versus his last album or all of his albums over time or Drake's album versus Kanye West's Donda album, then more insights come out. It starts to become more interesting from a perspective. This is sort of a standalone data set that was obviously enough to create something interesting, but not enough to maybe give someone a breakthrough uh, of it. Um, so yeah, that was a hard question. I was like, what would be the incentive for someone who's looking uh, those analysis for the first time, and uh, maybe not have enough background about where this is coming from? So what could they learn from from the analysis, or what would be the three things they can get out of it? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the good practical question I think that's required here, which is like one of the ones that stuck out to me is like the brands uh, that are mentioned most. So someone on, on one of the comments on the post talked about how they're curious if hip hop artists are, do they have sponsorship or partnerships with these brands and then insert them in the song? Or is it just because they love the brand and then they're sort of natively advertising for that brand throughout it? So if you're a big fan of an artist and you see in an album that this is a brand that they mentioned, you know, 15, like, so there's a, Drake mentioned 42 Casamigos, which is an, a specific alcohol in a year that was made. And undoubtedly, I believe that the brand value went up through that album just because of how many people listen to it and the awareness that went up. So I think, I don't know if that's a direct takeaway, but if you're following an artist, you care about what brands they care about and what they like, and you see that they're mentioned in an album that they very intentionally made, it gives you an insight into that this brand is either valuable or I should check it out, or there's a, a, something that I should be looking at here. So I think like a discoverability aspect. And if you actually like link those, if you had an interactive chart and you link those, like what would be amazing if you could automatically turn a visualization into an affiliate, like, so like say someone listens to Drake albums, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the marketing text yeah. sounds like, okay, okay. You know, but you see what it like, that, 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 that link. But is that more valuable for a person who, who, who writes it for the, for him, who writes the song or for her PR team or her, you know, uh, sorry, his, his, his PR team who's working for the promotion and stuff and, and, and while setting this analysis, does that more helpful? for the team or the audience so that they can understand what could be more beneficial. So it's like, who's gonna get more benefit out of the analysis? I mean, not just for this particular use case, but let's say in general. The, the most excitement I got from people were definitely consumers of music who a lot of them were either working in marketing or data science. So there's definitely a, a group, a subsect of people who are interested in this information. Um, data scientists, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was interesting to me because they oh, love working with LinkedIn. Yeah, like exactly. Um, so how how does a company like because um, I'm sure like a company like Spotify, for example, has significant investment in 
data analysis of all the music that's going through their system, right? So uh, I guess in that sense, it's like, how, how are they maybe looking at all this music data and what, what is valuable to them? Because they definitely have like, stat, like marketing stats. And, you know, for example, if um, more on the podcasting side, but you can do like, they have like entire marketing department uh, or entire department around podcast advertising, right? Yeah. So it's like, is this the kind of information that would assist them, um, for example, in, in making more money? Or, um, yeah, I, I guess to, to Vassal's point as well, beyond just like a enthusiast, beyond an enthusiast level thing, um, are you know what are some ways we could like give practicality to some some of this this work that you've done? Because it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty extensive. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, um, but it's like, what's the, um, the outcome? Because I could see this being very useful. For example. Um, have you ever listened to the Dissect podcast? Uh, no, but you've no. spoken highly of oh, it. That was pretty it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cool um, podcast where this guy like dissects <laughs> these these like famous albums, and I'm not sure what his kind of data science process behind it is, and like how he get because he'll do like he'll bring up little points like like what you did right like oh like this this brand was mentioned x number of times right and maybe he's just doing it this way right like just running it through a transcription software and then maybe manually counting it right? <laughs> or just control f how many times does this word appear right so if, if you can like minimize the amount of manual research there how much could that be worth to people doing that kind of work um on the content creation side i suppose one that sticks out for me a lot would be like so if i'm spotify one example would be like if i know that the artist said this in the song and i'm having to choose what ad I'm going to serve, if I could match the brand ad that I'm serving with a brand that had been mentioned in a song they had recently listened to, there's more, the engagement level is going to go up. You're more likely to hit there. The other one would be like, I think this is actually really interesting. If you are monitoring, for example, say you're a company with a big budget and a lot of people, because of what's happening with that, the paid advertising are moving toward, you know, influencer marketing or creating marketing. You're looking for new opportunities to invest in uh, influencers and creators. And if you were monitoring, for example, all the podcasts and you were monitoring people who had mentioned your brand without even paying, it would create an amazing opportunity for you to reach out and build a partnership and an actual sponsored relationship too. So like I see that as a, a possibly more um, practical application. Obviously you need to have a massive data set to be able to do that and make it worthwhile. Um, but I think that starts to become you know, very intriguing um, from that perspective. I think, you know, lastly, you know, I'm good. good. Um, you know, Spotify is doing a lot of audio analysis too. So we're measuring the valence and positivity and negativity of a song, not just through lyrics, but the actual uh, emotion of it. And that's why they're so good at creating, you know, playlists um, for you that are tailored to it. So I think there's something really interesting there. What I'm, you know, uh, one of my dreams would be like, I don't know, Nihal, if you know him, like Anthony Fantano, hip hop, you know, music's biggest nerd, like using some of our data in one of his reviews, um, you know, that would be really cool um, from, from that perspective. And I think, you know, from my, like that's what sort of joked about the marketing piece, but like if there was more of the information architecture that we could build, whether it's like, again, Tiger Woods is linked in this and you, you know, link to 
you know, either apparel that Tiger Woods is selling or even just to his Wikipedia page or brands. And you just like, there'd be some really cool ways to, I think actually to produce some revenue um, through that, or at least, you know, guide people to the knowledge and the things that they're looking for. So, you know, who's my, what's my, what's my artist's favorite brand? That's the brand that I want to buy for my clothing. Here's, oh, here it is. Here's the click. And now I bought. And uh, so th there's, there's lots there. I think this was again, very exploratory. And I appreciate you guys indulging me and letting me share that with you <laughs> for a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll turn up now. I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. Well, that last little note just kind of made me, uh, made me think of possibly having like a database of all the different artists and like what brands they associate themselves with. And then so like marketers can go on. It's like, okay, I want, uh, I want to sell my product to these specific people. I want to find uh, what artist uh, is associated with brands similar to mine and like who's uh, affiliated with brands that are I'm competing with. So I kind of want to stay away from them in a way. Um, but yeah, that seems like a big endeavor. I don't know if you can fit that in on a weekend. I don't think so. I'd try. We need, we need massive data scraping. And again, the tough part here is like to invest in, for example, scraping YouTube, there's a billion dollars to scrape, you know, to process that amount of data. So like text information, why I chose text was because it was fully accurate and cheap. Uh, but with audio and video, it starts to get very expensive. So there's some challenges there, technically and feasibly financially, um, to actually make that successful. Okay, uh, we're at 109 already. Uh, 109. Okay. Is there like I, you know? I know you had a topic. Uh, do we want to end this? Do we close this now? Do uh, how do you guys feel? I mean, I'm, I'm good with either. We can always just push it to next week if we're uh, yep. running over. Next week, because I actually want to have that conversation, and I've uh, I've made you all tired with what I just showed you. Um, so I won't uh, I won't devote you know uh, jump into that yet. Lauren, what's up? You got your microphone up. I don't know. No, I'm saying I'm pretty good. That was oh, a good okay. uh, forty minute rant, though. It looked like so good. No, I, <laughs> all right, all right. Then we will uh, close this out again. Short week, shorter podcast, maybe uh, or office hours. Um, but appreciate you guys joining. Uh, thanks again for some good insights and also spending some time on the uh, the album analysis stuff. So if you have any other ideas or thoughts, or yeah, like more practical applications of that kind of stuff, let me know because I am really interested in exploring that. And sort of mentioned it a little bit earlier today that uh, a company with a much larger audience than us is now letting us do some visualization of some of their conference and media. Um, so excited to continue that and see if this trend of engagement continues and if people derive value um, from this kind of work. Thank you. Perfect. Guys, thank you thank so you. much. Bye. See you guys. See you later.